0: Hello, hello, kids, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles.
1: And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is my spooky gay family. Gay family.
2: Ooh.
0: Hey there Sam Baxter. Hello Pissy Miles. How's it going?
1: It's going well. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. I'm like kind of on a little bit of a high right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I couldn't tell.
0: I know, I can't imagine. I'm I'm probably the most awake and alert and uh and you know pumped that I've mm-hmm. been in quite a while. We uh d- full disclosure, you know, you guys know us. We don't keep any secrets about the production of this show. We are recording a bit out of order today because normally we would record our minisodes that we put out every week at patreon.com slash myspookygayfamily. You can find them there if you want to listen. But uh, we recorded our mini today and it was a really wonderful one. We recorded about Fear Street Part 2 on Netflix, which we both agreed was a, a Great movie. I mm-hmm. said it was probably a, a huge improvement from part one, uh, and you can check it out if you want to listen on Patreon. But then we had a very uh, wonderful scheduled interview with one of my favorite people in the entire world. She is probably my biggest inspiration as a drag queen. Uh, she is one of the she is one of the funniest people I think in the world.
1: I can definitely see that.
0: Have you ever seen her live?
1: I haven't. I um. I had never. I had never really known much about Jackie Beat until very recently.
0: Really, really. Well, we are of course talking about Sorry. the amazing Jackie Beat. Uh, <laughs> I
1: just dropped the lead. No, listen.
0: That that that's how it goes here at my spooky gay family. Jackie Beat is one of the best performers in the world. Uh, one of my favorite drag queens. She is one of those people where, like, I still remember the first time I saw her live. It was just like. It was kind of like what she was talking about with Carrie in the interview. Mm-hmm. She, it's just kind of magic. Like, seeing someone do what they do so well. It's like, If you have the opportunity to go see Jackie Beat, don't ever hesitate. Click the buy button, get your tickets, and go. She is just irreverent and funny and uh, so like so smart. You know, one of my favorite things about Jackie is... She's a parody queen like me, and uh, really, I'm like her, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Um, And she writes filthy, disgusting parodies, but they're so smart. They're okay. so smart because it's like, if you listen to, she one of my favorite parodies of hers is a parody on, it was a Christmas parody she did of Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do. okay, And it's called Look What I Made For You. And it's about like homemade Christmas presents.
1: Oh, I think I might have actually heard
0: that one. It is so fucking funny. The rhymes are like... They are next level. She is a brilliant lyricist and a such a gifted comedian. So I don't have enough nice things to say about Jackie Beat. Um, And we had Jackie on the podcast this week. Thank you. In huge part to our listener, Lily, from the UK. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Lily, for getting yes. us in touch with Jackie. And we had a really, really wonderful conversation. And at times it was even about the topic at hand.
1: Yeah, I think there's a good solid five minutes about Carrie in there.
0: At least five minutes. We had Jackie on to talk about the movie Carrie from 1976. It is a a, a classic, classic horror film by Brian De Palma. And it was directed, obviously, by Brian De Palma, written by Lawrence D. Cohen, and based on the novel, the famous novel yes. by Stephen King. It stars Sissy Spacek as Carrie, Piper Laurie as Margaret White, and Amy Irving as Sue Snell. Um, which is such an odd credit, yeah, because it's like of all the teenagers they picked, they, <laughs> they picked, picked Sue, and I'm like, but why?
1: <laughs> well, I mean she does she is the only one like alive at the end.
0: I know <laughs> she really is. I'm also going to say there are notable appearances, yes. Uh, there are notable appearances by the one and only PJ Souls <laughs> of six times yes. Halloween. We love <laughs> PJ Souls here at My Spooky Gay Family and one of my very favorite people in the entire world, mm-hmm. the inimitable Grizabella herself, <laughs> Miss Betty Buckley. <laughs> I love Betty Buckley, and I- I'm so sad that we didn't get a chance to talk more about her over the course of the conversation with Jackie, because Betty Buckley, if you have never heard her sing Memory from Cats, you have never heard that song the way it was supposed to be sung. Elaine Page is great. Mm-hmm. But you cannot touch Betty Buckley. Go up. Go on YouTube right now. You can pause this podcast. You shouldn't touch podcast. Betty
1: Buckley. It's even in the song. It's, it's,
0: <laughs> you should touch her. She's like, touch me. It's... It's phenomenal. You cannot touch Betty Buckley. Go on. You you can pause this podcast right now. Go on YouTube and search Betty Buckley Memory Cats and we will wait. Go (laughs) listen. It is phenomenal. Listen to her in uh, Sunset Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Fucking phenomenal. I mean, Patty LaPone obviously owns it. But if you're going to come in second, I'm not going with Glenn Close. Okay. I'm going with Betty Buckley. All right, then. And... Also, a fun fact about Betty Buckley: mm-hmm. the movie Carrie, yes, was infamously made into a musical. Yes, it was, starring <laughs> Betty Buckley as Margaret White. <laughs> she went from playing the uh, the amazing uh, what's her name Miss, Miss Collins. Miss Collins in the movie the uh, the closest thing I think we have to a hero in this to movie.
1: Actual human being, and
0: yes. yeah. Uh, to playing the I I don't want to say most evil person, but damn close. Yeah,
1: <laughs> in the yeah story. there's there's like a three-way tie.
0: There's a lot of contention. Yeah. She goes to playing a... the the wacky Renfair hating <laughs> and also Renfair wanting to be a part of <laughs> Margaret White. <laughs> I had so many notes about Margaret that we just did not touch during this conversation. The first and foremost being, how long do you think she was standing behind that door waiting for Carrie to come home?
1: Oh, at least like three hours.
0: At least three hours and totally silent. Yes. Didn't, not playing any music, didn't make a noise. She was hiding behind that door for a long fucking, t- she was like, R. Kelly, she was in that closet. <laughs> um. Yes, the... Uh, inimitable Betty Buckley starred as Margaret White in the musical version of Carrie. There is a recording out there somewhere. It kind of floats around. It's one of those uh, gotta get your hands on it. Types yeah. of recordings. Uh, and it is amazing. Have you ever listened to Carrie the I Musical? Haven't, no. You would love it, Sam Baxter. It is <laughs> my homework from Jackie Beat was to watch Paper Moon. I thought that was
1: both of our homework.
0: I'm, well, it's yours too. <laughs> yeah. But you also have the homework of going and listening to Carrie the Musical. Okay,
1: I will try to find it.
0: I will try to find it for you because it is definitely worth having. Uh Did you enjoy our conversation with Jackie B? I
1: did. I had a lot of fun and Jackie had a lot of fun. She did.
0: Jackie was like, she was going in all kinds of directions. And I was like, have at it. I was like, you fit in more perfectly than you know with my spooky gay family. (laughs) She took us on tangents we didn't even know we could go on. And I was like, I am so here for it. It was such a wonderful conversation about the movie Carrie. So without any further ado... I say, let's just have at it. Let's let's get to our conversation with uh, the drop dead gorgeous, larger than life, world famous drag superstar, Jackie B. Hello, hello, kids. We are here with the one and only drop-dead gorgeous, larger-than-life, world-famous drag superstar, Jackie Beat. Hello, Jackie Beat. Hello, coming to you live from my living room in
3: beautiful but hot Los Angeles, California. (laughs) So, if you hear... Something weird in the background, it's because the air conditioning is cranked, and I want to make it clear from the get go my comfort is more important than anyone's listening pleasure.
0: <laughs> Which is exactly, I think, Lady Bunny's approach to every show she's ever done. So, <laughs> hello. <laughs> yep. How, how are you doing, Jackie?
2: I'm doing great.
3: I just, you know, things are back to normal in finger quotes. Uh, I know people can't see me, but I just did finger <laughs> quotes when I said normal. I have really long, gorgeous, blood red fingernails on. I'm in full drag. I didn't realize that. Full drag, looking well, gorgeous. I, I, just, I, I was not aware of the fact that people would not be seeing me, but it's important <laughs> to always give 110%. Um, no, my point is I just, I literally just had lunch with. My best friend Mario Diaz and Muffy Boulding and my friend Travis and Calpurnia Adams. And we used to do this, like, you know, we don't have lead a nine to five existence. So almost <laughs> every day we wake up and text each other, like, let's have lunch. So when this whole coronavirus thing happened, I don't know if you've heard of it. It was this thing that happened it crossed we, my radar. Yeah, we had to stop having lunch every day together. So now things are back. So we just went to Taco Tuesday, and uh, I am trying to pretend like I am awake, even though I'm in a fucking taco coma.
0: (laughs) But if there's any coma you could choose, I think taco coma is probably one of the better ones.
3: Well, yes, I agree. (laughs)
0: As a diabetic, I will say firsthand, Taco definitely beats the alternatives.
3: (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, I I try to be pretty good. I have learned, you know, we're doing the Golden Girls Live right now. Mm. And we literally just did, let me do this, seven shows this past weekend Like one on Friday, three on Saturday, and three on Sunday. We do 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m. It's called being, you know, a money-grubbing whore. And then on (laughs) Sunday, I did my brunch, Clowns and Carbs, at noon. And I have just learned that if I don't eat sugar or carbs or, like, you know, flour, I really don't. I feel better. I'm not lethargic. I don't have inflammation. I don't feel all achy and pain. You know, I don't feel aches and pains because I'm 57 years old and I roll out of bed. I'm going to be 58 on July 24th.
4: My
0: goodness.
3: I have the same birthday as J-Lo. It turns out if you're born on July 24th, you get a big ass. (laughs) But my point is that we're doing all these shows and I need to, you know, not like I'm an athlete, but I can't work against myself anymore. That's why I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I try to eat healthy, so even when we go to Taco Tuesday, I really do have a point. Um, I ordered you know, <laughs> two or three tacos, and then I just emptied them all out into the onto the plate, put some salsa on it, and essentially make a big taco salad without eating the you know taco shells.
0: <laughs> That's what... Isn't this <laughs> fascinating, everyone? It's riveting. Let this, me tell you, honey. I mean, this is what old people talk. It really is, and you know it's funny. We talk about this shit on the podcast all the time because, like I said, I I I changed my diet very drastically about like six or eight months ago because I I've been diabetic for like thirty years and I just started acting like it, and yeah. so I. I stopped eating carbs. I don't eat almost any complex carbs anymore. And I talk about this every week and I'm like, people must be so fucking tired of hearing about me talking about bread and, and cheese. Although I will tell you, if you want a really good taco shell alternative, you can make taco shells using like basically fried cheese.
3: Oh yeah. Have you done it? honey? who do you think you're fucking dealing with? (laughs) I know all the hacks. Now, can you have you know when you see these things on Instagram, like these ads? And I don't know if you you know ever ordered anything from Instagram, but uh, usually <laughs> it's shit. Like usually, yeah. it's, you know, <clears throat> pardon my French, but usually it's Chinese shit. Anyway, <laughs> and that's not racist. It's made in China. It's from
4: China. It yes.
3: photographs well, and then you get it, and you're like, oh, okay, that's how it's so cheap.
0: But yeah, I still ad- .com shit. Exactly. I saw an ad for these little
3: street-sized tortillas that are one net carb each, oh. and I ordered them. They come, you know, you can freeze them. I ordered like seven packages, and I freeze them. And I literally took some. I took some to the restaurant today. So anyway,
0: I just <laughs> have my,
3: I have my hacks for everything. I, I,
0: yeah, that's the way to do it, you know, and people. People criticize all the time. They're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's so tactless. It's so stupid. And I'm like, yeah, try not being able to have fucking popcorn at the movies, bitch. I'm bringing my beef jerky. Shut the fuck up. Listen,
3: at a certain age, we all become Sophia on the Golden Girls. Like who gives a flying fuck what anybody thinks?
0: Exactly. But you very famously played Dorothy in the Golden Gals, right?
3: I do. It's the Golden Girls with a Z because we don't want to get (laughs) zooed. Zooed. Yes, and I always, I do this voice, you know, and I'm like, she didn't really sound like this, but you have to give people (laughs) what they think they remember.
0: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) It is you and Sam Pancake and Sherry Vine and Drew Drogi, right?
3: Yes. And in this particular one... Our friends Mario Diaz and uh, Roz Dresfelez are uh, our special guests. They play the.
0: You, you know Roz Dresfelez, don't you, Sam? Uh, no, I don't. You'd never heard of I Roz has a, another really great podcast. It's called Ghosted with Roz yes. Um and she's a, a really awesome drag queen from LA. And I does she play the lesbian daughter in your in your production? Is that how well, it works out? We. It's
3: not, she's not really, well, I she's not a lesbian because she ends up in bed with Dorothy's son. She plays Rose's <laughs> daughter,
2: right, who right, is right.
3: Bridget, and she's kind of uptight, and they seem like opposites, and then they end up sleeping together, and it's, you know, very scandalous. But, uh, yeah, Roz is, oh my God, her podcast is really good and very spooky, so right up your alley. And, right up um, our alley. Yeah, she's on a bit of a journey right now, so... Uh, I don't know if she's calling herself a drag queen anymore and I'll
0: leave it at that. Really? Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, so, so good you, for them. Good good for them, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Jackie, you have been somehow doing drag for quite some time. How long have you been doing drag? Like six months now.
4: It's <laughs> And it's
0: going so well for you. Over 30 years. <laughs> Thirty years, my goodness! How and how many over thirty? I
3: started in nineteen eighty nine. So what is that? Thirty three years. That's Wait thirty, 30 two
0: years. Yeah. And I, I won't tell you how I know exactly how it's thirty two years, but it is. Uh, it is definitely thirty two years. <laughs> and I honestly did not even
3: start that young. You know, some people start doing drag when they're like twenty years old.
2: Mm-hmm. Not
3: me. I mean, you know, I just said I was. I already said it, I'm going to be 58 on July 24th, so yeah, I started a little late, but...
0: um but to be fair, you might be almost fifty-eight, but you don't look a day over sixty. Good for you, girl. Thank you. Oh God. Now, when you you said that you can edit this and stuff, yes. okay? Don't no.
3: Now, I'm not being catty. Do not edit that clunker out. Just add, add some fake laughter. Some recorded. I, will. I will. <laughs> now, we've got the laugh tracks. I do Sunday brunch, as I've already mentioned, at El Cid, the historic, you know, legendary, iconic El Cid here in Los Angeles. It's called Clowns and Carbs. It's every Sunday. Joy's open at 1130. Show is at noon. And, um, you know, people celebrate their birthdays. And every once in a while, somebody doesn't want to say how old they are. And I do respect that. But, you know, like, I know a lot of people who died way too young. Like, not a wrinkle on their face, you know. I want to, bitch, when I die, I don't want to have a hair on my head, a tooth in my <laughs> mouth. I want to be just covered in liver spots and look like a shrunken applehead doll. Like, here's my thing. You know, you, I quit smoking. I, I, you know, as we discussed, I try to eat healthy. I don't smoke. I already said that, okay. Old people <laughs> repeat themselves. I, I was wear just my- about to
0: say, the ginkgo biloba is the one thing you haven't gone for. <laughs> right. I have it here. I just keep forgetting to take it.
3: Exactly. But <laughs> the point is, I wear my seatbelt. I take vitamins. I don't smoke. I try to eat healthy. And then, like, your birthday rolls around and you're depressed that you're alive one more year. And it's like, <laughs> at a certain age, you really just need to really celebrate being alive and another year and life is wonderful as we have learned from being locked in our houses for over a year. And also it's important to let these fucking bitches know that you can be 58 and still working and turning it out. You know, I mean, look at RuPaul.
0: Well, I don't even know how old she is. Even you when
3: know. you're looking at RuPaul, you're not looking at RuPaul because exactly. of the filters <laughs> and the beep bop, boop, and. You know, you're looking whatever, at a
0: reflection in a lake somewhere. You are looking
3: at a Polaroid <laughs> of a drawing. Yeah, in a mirror. <laughs> that house they cut
0: the your, mouth out of. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. No. Um, now, I have. Uh, I, I will admit full a full out. I am a huge fan of yours, Miss Jackie Beat. I have seen you many times. You are known as a parody queen. You have written some of my favorite parodies, including one that you personally described as probably the most offensive song you ever wrote. You said it is the only song anyone has ever gotten up from your show and walked out. It was your parody of Africa by Toto. Okay, yes. <laughs> Now, let me
3: tell you something. I, I'm just going to set the record straight. First of all, that song is at the very end of a 20-minute 80s medley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the song Africa, it's a bunch of white guys, you know, singing about going <laughs> to Africa. It's already, you know, prob- problematic or what, whatever yeah. they say But I changed it to be, you know... I decided that for vacation I would go on a safari in Africa and you know I thought that the tour guide you know was flirting with me, this you know guy wearing you know khaki shorts and I thought he was climbing into my tent that night, but it was a chimpanzee and the chimpanzee raped me and I started <laughs>
2: AIDS down in
3: Africa. I mean it's horrible. <laughs> that was the whole point of being a drag queen when I first started was to be horrible. Yeah. Just to we be need to horrible. laugh at Like, if a 57-year-old gay man who came out of the closet and became sexually active literally the day AIDS gave its first press conference can't sing about something like that. You know, I mean, Joan Rivers, nobody would tell Joan Rivers not to tell a Holocaust joke. This is the show we need to laugh about. But, I have to say, that is not the song that somebody walked out on. Oh, really? No, I did a song by Brian Adams, not to be confused with Ryan Adams. (laughs) I did a song by Brian Adams called Heaven, but I changed it to Seven about dating a seven-year-old. And I'm not making fun of, you know, I mean, the butt of the joke is the person who thinks, you know, this is a real relationship. I mean, it's so ludicrous and so ridiculous and so over the top. But it's shocking. And it's, it's you know, that's shocking. the
0: whole And you're and asking I, people to do a lot of critical thinking when they're drunk in a bar somewhere. Exactly. So. <laughs> and, you know, like, if you
3: can... Do you know how hard it is to shock, you know, the community that invented double fisting? Yeah. <laughs> so if I can get that noise out of people... So anyway, I sang it once at Laurie Beachman for the very first time and this guy just got up and stormed out, but he didn't leave. He went to the manager of the venue and said it is illegal to sing about such things and he was gonna call the police and have the show shut down and I don't know what happened, but he didn't come back. I learned this later and the show was not shut
0: down. So, well, thank goodness. Yeah, I uh, I have loved many of your parodies from uh, Santa Baby, uh, Santa's Baby to uh, basically. I one of my favorite albums of yours is the Christmas album that you that you put out, the, the live
3: one where I'm talking the, to audience members and everything. Yeah,
0: I think it was. I think it was recorded at the Cutting Room, right? Yes, because uh-huh. I had that the joke.
3: <laughs> yes. Welcome <laughs> to the Cutting Room, which was also my. Nickname for the attic when I was a teenager, I used to walk up (laughs) the stairs, cut myself, (laughs) and ask, you you, know, can you even feel anything anymore, Jackie?
0: (laughs) I remember every
3: joke I've ever told.
0: Do you really? Do you have one of those brains that you can just pull things out? It's funny
3: because, you know, Bianca did a show called Rolodex of Hate.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and
3: in interviews I used to talk about that I used to say I have a card catalog in my head so a lot of it does come to me right off the top of my head but if I can't think of anything I have all these you know pre-existing little sassy snarky comments that I can make and uh, yeah so she stole that from me I invented that
2: anyway
0: (laughs) and we'll keep reminding her oh constantly (laughs) So Jackie, you have been working uh, as a drag queen for a very long time. You have famously uh, been a a writer and a comedian. You have written for Joan Rivers. You have uh, toured with Roseanne where you opened for her, which is amazing. Um, Do you have something in your career that stands out as like your biggest personal accomplishment?
3: You know, people ask that a lot and it's really difficult you know, there are different things for different reasons. I mean, obviously, like doing wig stock in front of like, mm. God, I don't even know, like literally 20,000 people, you know, just that energy, uh, you know, making an Aaliyah joke <laughs> a week after she died in a plane crash <laughs> and having 20,000 people boo me. That just, you know, that was a highlight. No, um...
0: That was... That, I said, that is isn't a, a rough one. <laughs>
3: I, said, I was to say, Lady Bunny is a slut, but she goes down faster than Aaliyah's plane. And it was just too <laughs> soon. It wasn't funny. But, no... And then, you know, obviously, like, you know, working with Roseanne was a lot of fun, and, you know, touring with her, and... But it's just kind of weird. I just, like, I think if you... I don't know, if you're a working artist, like, you know, I mean, I can't say I've won an Oscar or, you know, I mean, I guess being in a movie with Robert De Niro and Philip Seymour Hoffman is pretty good. It's pretty darn impressive. um, Yeah, but when you're doing it, you don't think that way. You're just doing your job. Mm. I mean, you're excited, but, you know, in a way you have to play it cool. So, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you know. No, nothing really stands out. I mean, one thing that I'm kind of proud of... I mean, I'm proud of a lot of little things, but when I wrote for Joan Rivers on Fashion Police, I was always trying to get her to do different things, like, you know, we would have a picture of somebody in a horrible outfit and instead of just making a joke, which, by the way, the joke can never be about the actual outfit. You have to make it about the... Because, you know, otherwise it's like, okay here's the 733rd joke about, you know, this looking like a couch or a tablecloth yeah. or a shelter curtain. Or, <laughs> so you had to be really creative and work your way around the whole situation. But I remember I tried to get her to do like poetry corner with Joan where she did a little limerick or a little like really mean-spirited poem. She never ever <laughs> went for that. But once I said, what if you did this joke and it was like a vagina joke Because she does tons of vagina jokes. Mm -hmm. I said, why don't we have you say this, like, vagina joke of your choice? I've written several, you know. God knows you have a million in your arsenal. And then all of a sudden... Sirens go off and bells start ringing and balloons and streamers come down. Like when somebody goes to the supermarket and they're the one millionth customer. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of handing you a big oversized check, you know, for $1 million, they hand you a thing that says one millionth vagina joke.
2: I think that's and perfect. And <laughs>
3: she was like, Oh my God, I love that. So she did that. It, you know, I don't know if it's on YouTube or, you know, where you could see that, but it was on um, fashion police. And then she gave me the sign and autographed it for when I had my hip replacement surgery. And I, <laughs> you know, sold it online to help pay some of the bills. So God Did love you
0: her. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. How crazy. It's it's always so sad to see something like that go because it's like, obviously, you know, you can get something for it and you needed it. But it I, it makes me so sad when you have to like, part with something like that, that for you has such a sentimental value.
3: Yeah. But really think about it. It's just like, you know, I have the memory and I would rather be able to fucking walk. So exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my
3: house is full of stuff and I collect stuff and, you know, I have my Carrie bedroom, which is filled with Carrie memorabilia and, (laughs) you know, but ultimately, you know, I'd rather have my health. I'd rather have my two dogs. You know, I don't really mm. give a flying fuck about stuff. What are your
0: dogs' names again? Oh, Miss Tony and Darlin. Miss Tony and Darlin. What kind of dogs are they? Uh, they're little
3: chihuahua mixes. Like, I think mm. Tony... Tony, I think, is Chihuahua Terrier. She's just like this little scru- scruffy white. <laughs> She's so cute. And then Darlin... Is kind of a plump little. She looks like a baked potato or a rump. I call her my rump roast. And um, I always joke with people. I'm like, I sleep with a petite blonde and a voluptuous redhead every night. But uh, I went to an event here in Hollywood, and it was uh, like a thing on Fox. It was a special, like starring all these celebrities, including um, Paula Abdul. And it was all about um, raising money and awareness, you know, for uh, shelter dogs. And like, you know, adopt, don't buy dogs. And part of the gift, you know, the swag bag that everybody got was a home DNA test for your dog. You just swab their mouth and send it in. And it turned out that Darlin is Weimaraner. (laughs) And Chihuahua. Now, uh, Google, everybody listening, (laughs) pause right now, P-A-W-S, right now, and look up a Weimaraner. They are like a fucking horse. So I have no idea, like, which was the male, which was the female. Was a stepladder
0: involved?
3: It's (laughs) crazy.
0: It would be like watching Leslie Jordan fuck Michael Jordan. It's literally the most bizarre combination. Perfect. (laughs)
3: Leslie Jordan
0: fuck Leslie Jones. (laughs) Exactly.
3: (laughs) Because I don't go for that gay shit.
0: Exactly. Interracial is fine,
3: but not man on man.
0: It's too too far. A step too far. Everybody has their limits, and that's (laughs) fine. Jackie, you mentioned having a Carrie bedroom. Yes. It it is your favorite movie, isn't
3: it? It is my... Well, listen, it is my all-time favorite movie, but I always say, like when we're talking about movies, I ask people, what's your favorite movie? And often your favorite movie is not the same as like your desert island movie, which doesn't make Mm. sense because, you know, what are you going to have, a VCR or a DVD player, (laughs) you know, on a desert island or a projector? But if I had to watch any movie every single day of my life, like only one movie for the rest Mm. of my life, it would be Sunset Boulevard Mm. because I just love that movie. And it's so satisfying in so many ways. It's like funny. It's tragic. It's campy. It's just, I just love it so much. I think it's like perfect.
2: Hmm. Carrie
3: is the one that really, you know, I saw it in the theater when it came out in 1976. (laughs) That's how old the bitch is. It's my favorite because it really just changed my life, to be honest.
0: It changed your life. How how, How would you say it changed your life?
3: It just made me... First of all, there are so many things about Carrie that people have to realize. Okay, let me... I'm gonna totally digress here, but once <laughs> a long time ago, I was sitting at my mom's house in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I was watching Psycho on TV, and you know Alfred Hitchcock's psycho mm-hmm. with uh, with Anthony Perkins and you know uh, Janet Lee, and anyway. And, you know, it was on network TV, so there was a commercial break, and my mom says, I wish you could go back in time, in a time machine, and watch this when it came out in the movie theater in 1960, because nobody knew what cross-dressing was, multiple personalities, like when she was, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to assume that most (laughs) people listening know the plot line, when when." The lead actress gets murdered a third of the way, you know, less than a third of the way through in the shower. It was so shocking. You just knew that anything was possible. She was like, people were literally screaming and running out of the theater. It fucked with them so bad. Like, what? He's dressing up like his mother? Like, what? (laughs) He's got a dead body all dressed up and, you know. Anyway, so... (laughs) There are a lot of things when it comes to Carrie that people don't realize. And one of them is we take it for granted now that like girls in high school are fucking monsters. This was honestly the first movie where it was like girls in high school are horrible, like horrible to each (laughs) other and just fucking monsters. And so that was a first. It was also a low-budget teen horror movie Mm -hmm. that they thought was going to do absolutely, you know, like make a few bucks on the the opening weekend and then maybe go to drive-in theaters. It was a huge success. And when you look back, Piper Laurie, who plays the mother, was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar Sissy Spacek was nominated for a Best Actress Oscar. This is unheard of for a teen horror movie. Mm -hmm. But it just goes to show you how amazing the performances were. And Pauline Kael is a very famous um, film critic, and she called it the very first pop horror movie. Really? Because just the colors and, like, you know, yeah, it's just very Mm. pop. It's very... That's
2: very Brian
0: De Palma, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's funny is uh, Sam and I both rewatched the movie in anticipation of talking about it today. Uh, And I, I was paying attention to much different things about the movie this time. I've always really loved the movie. But when you talk about Brian De Palma, the cinematography, paying attention to that this time, it was like, oh, the scene in the principal's office with the cigarette in the ashtray. And it's... It's sitting right in front of her crotch. And it's like just the commentary of it panning down to like her smoking crotch. It's like, oh, this is a commentary not only on obviously her crazy mother's opinions, but how Carrie is viewing herself and the experience she just had in the locker room. It's like there are things that you just did that were like heads and tails above what the average pop horror movie was doing. Yes.
3: And... I mean, it's one of those movies you can watch and see things, you know, new things every time. Mm -hmm. And that's true of a lot of movies. I mean, obviously, and it's been discussed to death. But I mean, like in that same scene, you know, Miss Collins, Betty Buckley has a big fucking bloody handprint and it is menstrual blood. On her shorts. On her (laughs) white shorts, and she's standing right next to Morty, who is the, uh, I love that she calls him Morty, they're on a first name. the principal, and he just looks over, gives that side eye, like, oh, shit, like, I've got (laughs) menstrual blood right in my face. And then, you know, full frontal female nudity, like, tits and bush, 70s bush, yeah, You know, granted, it was soft focus and in, you know, slow motion, but that's what you're hit with. That's the very opening of the movie. That, the was, vo- one
0: my, yeah, the that was one of my... The volleyball game. First notes.
3: And I think it's probably why I'm gay, but anyway.
0: <laughs> no, um, that was one of my first notes when I was watching the movie. I was like, wow, they really came out swinging for the bushes with this one. I was like, could you imagine in 1976 starting... A mo- I was like, how was this movie not... Uh, did the MPAA... Exist in 1970s. Yes, of course it did. Yes, I wasn't sure when when they started, but I was like, my God, how was this movie not rated like X, having that much full frontal female nudity?
3: Yeah. Well, first of all, female nudity is never, mm. um, you know, judged as harshly as male nudity, <laughs> because I'm just saying everyone running the, you know, that that ratings board are male, and you know. So it's not, it's not as threatening. And, you know, so, and then also like, you know, I don't know, it's, what was I, you know, yeah, I I see what you mean. (laughs) It's just, it's not, I'm sure that they had to fight. I don't know if you know this like Mm -hmm. raging bull. Yeah. I'm not Raging Bull. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. Um, taxi Driver.
0: Uh, yeah, I knew what you meant. <laughs> they,
3: they did this process with a like a camera filter. They did something, and blood has never looked as real as it did as in um, in Taxi Driver. Hmm. And literally, it was so disturbing that they gave the movie an X rating just because of that blood and like they put some filter on the camera that just made it look darker and more saturated because you know i mean look at like the original suspiria (laughs) and even carrie it's like you know it in suspiria it literally looks like red tempera paint
4: yeah
3: (laughs) you know know, like hand me that red puffy paint i'm gonna you know
0: make my friend a
3: sweatshirt they could and have it,
0: sponge painted the walls. It was it was just like it,
3: Carrie, it's you know obviously like caro syrup with you know food mm-hmm. coloring. But in 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 Taxi Driver, it is so good. Mm. So anyway, they fought that that X rating. I don't know what. I just remember that being discussed on some, you know, DVD extras or something. But
0: I'm sure that it was. Sam and I actually had a conversation about stage blood and its usage because we did Psycho actually just a few weeks ago here on the podcast and we rewatched it and in rewatching it I was like my god the the blood in that I don't know if it's that it's in black and white but it was also like the viscosity of it I was like this is the most realistic blood I think I've seen in a it's harmony. Like, it's chocolate syrup. It's chocolate syrup. Sam was telling me that. And I was like, I was like, well, you know what? Good on them because they made that chocolate syrup look real bloody. <laughs> That's really, you know,
3: when you're working in black and white. Yeah. You can, I mean, uh, so many, it's so funny for somebody who loves Carrie, which is so beyond saturated, like that <laughs> prom sequence with all the colors, it is so hypnotic and dreamlike and amazing. But God, all my favorite movies are black and white, which are mm. Psycho, Paper Moon. Uh,
0: have you seen Paper Moon? I've never seen Paper Bitch, Moon. Bitch, no. I will
3: slap you.
0: <laughs>
3: Watch Who's Paper in it? Moon. Oh my God. Ryan O'Neal. Tatum O'Neal oh. was the youngest person to ever win an Oscar.
0: Wow. Madeline Kahn. Oh, we are big Madeline Kahn. Genius. It is seriously one of my all time favorites.
3: Faster Pussycat Kill Kill is one of my Mm. all time favorite movies. It's in black and white. And people say, oh my God, that movie's so bad, it's good, which always pisses me off. (laughs) No. Yes, it's It's campy. Yes, it's over the top. It's just good. The dialogue is amazing. The cinematography is amazing.
0: It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yes.
3: And then Sunset, Sunset Boulevard is black and white, obviously. Obviously.
0: I just watched Sunset the other night because it was on one of the streaming services. I can't remember, but I was up at like three o'clock in the morning and I was like, let me turn on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. Do you like um, All About Eve? I love All About Eve. When Addison slaps the shit out of her. I remember I saw it for the first time when I was like 16 years old and I was like, <gasps> It, like, took me... B- I was, like, taken aback when Addison slapped Yeah, for a man her. to
3: slap. Yeah.
0: And it I just... really
3: whacked her. It. It's also just... There's so many things in that movie, but... I know. And, and for them to... He's obviously, like, a fucking bitter queen.
4: Yeah. But they're <laughs> allowed to
3: say that, so they have to kind of make it, like, he's this sexual Svengali, or... I don't know. Anyway... Mm-hmm. He's obviously, like, a huge homo.
0: Oh, clearly. It is, like, not even questionable. Yeah. One of our favorites also, if we're going in, in the black and white era, one of my very, very, very favorites is Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, my uh,
3: God. I have not seen that in 35 years. We did it, right. like, you know, in high school. Yeah. <laughs> what is the play. Uh, is it... Uh, Oh my God! What's his name?
0: Um, the the killer, or not the killer? The the, the, the no crime. who, who uh, Oh, May, the actor.
2: Mae West,
0: you know, discovered him. What's his name? Carrie um, Carrie Grant. Cary. Cary Grant. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh my God, I was blanking. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, that's amazing. I have to watch have- that again.
0: I know, I haven't seen that movie in so long, but I would say it's probably one of those like definitive movies that gave me the sense of humor that I have today. Is like Arsenic and Old Lace which oh, those I, like classic movies. It's so weird. I really don't
3: even remember it that much. I have to watch it again.
0: Oh, it's so good with Teddy running up the stairs. Every time he says Tally Ho and just charges up the stairs. it's. I said when we watched Texas Chainsaw, when she runs up the stairs and out the window, I was like, she reminds me of Teddy from Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, she just like funny. charges right up the fucking stairs. Um, what about, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, what about Auntie Mame? You know, Auntie Mame is one of those movies where I like Mame the musical. Oh my God! <laughs> this, this interview is over. <laughs> and I like anti Mame, but I wouldn't put it in like my top five.
3: Okay. Well, it turns out you are sick in the head. <laughs> no, listen, not the first nobody to watches beat Arthur more than me, but she couldn't even save the fucking Lucy version. I hate it so I much and love I love Auntie Mame so
0: much. It's it's a good movie. I do like anti Mame. I just wouldn't say it's one of Listen, there is. are certain things that just people don't
3: like. It kind of skipped you, or you skipped it, or do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like maybe you didn't see it at the right time. Now listen, I'm going to say something very controversial, and <laughs> like okay, when David Bowie died, everyone I know, obviously, every freak in the world, every. You know, anybody with any gender issues, any punk rocker, any rock and roller, glitter rocker, glam rock, you know what I mean? Like gay people, like everybody loves David Bowie. Mm -hmm. Iconic, amazing, and I can totally appreciate it, but I'm just like not, you know what I mean? Like I'm just not Mm -hmm. this huge David Bowie fan. I liked Prince better than David Bowie. Prince in fucking six inch heels and a G string. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like for whatever reason, I'm sure it's just one of those things where it just, I didn't listen to it at the right age or it just didn't get under my skin somehow. And listen, I love (laughs) discovering things, you know, at a certain age, like, okay, Two movies that I had never seen until just recently, like a couple years ago, I'd never seen Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, like, oh, like it's some crime movie. Like, I don't even, like, I just had it all figured out. I'm not going to like this movie. (laughs) Oh my God. I was completely blown away. That movie
0: is. Everything. It is a great movie. <laughs> and then the other one
3: is 2001, a space odyssey. I had never seen it. And I watched it on a plane coming home from fucking Australia. So I didn't even see it on a big screen. I saw it on this little thing, you know, on a plane. Un-fucking-believable. I love um, Stanley Kubrick so much. Hmm. Because even if the movie isn't that great, um,
0: I don't know if you can hear it. My ice machine is like knocking. <laughs> it's, like, an, it's an it's it's a nod but, to The Shining. We're still in Stanley Kubrick. But listen. <laughs> okay. I do hear it. Can you hear it? Yeah, <laughs> I can't figure it out. I put the arm up. I
3: put the arm down. It won't stop. So
0: anyway, <laughs> no, The thing
3: with Kubrick, like even Eyes Wide Shut, like I love yeah. it. And I know a lot of people hate it, and, but I love it. I just feel like there is literally evil infused in his films. I can't figure out what's going on.
2: It is just,
3: there's something so twisted. It's like when you have a dream and it's not even that scary, it's just weird.
0: But it like, stays with you.
3: But sometimes, like, a dream seems so real because it's so, like, not out of the ordinary. It's so boring. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is just scary because it's so not scary. I don't know what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> I can be held responsible. I have a haunted refrigerator.
0: <laughs> do you, uh, you know, speaking of Stanley Kubrick, are you a big fan of The Shining?
3: Yes, of course I am. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are, do you consider yourself a, a big horror fan?
3: I am, you know, the
0: older I get, the more I don't like
3: seeing, I don't like, first of all, I hate like the sort of torture porn, you know, like I hate Mm -hmm. Saw, Yeah. I am just such a purist, I mean, listen, I'm just an old bitter bitch, let's just be (laughs) honest, so if you remake any movie that I like, like, you're already fucked. Like, the remake of Carrie was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So why even bother? Yeah. And, like, remaking, like, The Omen and Amityville Horror, like, these movies were fucking amazing. I know. And why can't you watch Amityville Horror and, I, I don't know, be inspired to do, like, something, something similar, similar, but... But, yeah. you know, it makes sense that these studios just want to, you know, they have the, they own the property, so they're just going to, you know, slap that name. They think that it'll sell a bunch of tickets, and it usually does. Oh. Um, I hated The Conjuring. Really? Hated it. <laughs> All I did was sit there and go, okay, yeah, okay, The Exorcist hmm yeah you know, like every it's so derivative like it only works it's like when lady gaga first came out it's like it only works if you don't you've never seen fucking david bowie madonna right. missing persons you know yeah. and you know she's supremely talented and i'm not you know i'm not saying i don't like her but when she first came out it was like i've seen all of this before you know so um but like that fucking annabelle doll like, can you just say it? The bitch is not
0: scary. She's really not.
3: She's
2: not scary.
3: It's like, can we just admit Annabelle is not scary and heck, Lena is not pretty. And-
0: <laughs> they do look eerily similar. If I oh my God. Wrong. Have you ever seen them in the same place together? At Never the same not time? once. There you Never go. Never not once. My goodness. You know, I'm going to ask a question. And this is, uh, we haven't even gotten to Carrie yet. Uh, I'm going to ask a question. This is going to be definitive about how we move forward. What are your thoughts on Scream? Don't like it. (sighs) Jackie Beat. (laughs) Let oh me my god! I was just day. about to buy tickets to your holiday show. How Listen dare you? Listen to me, bitch. There are this is a seven-layer
3: <laughs> dip of reasons.
0: First of all,
3: and I know this is going to sound delusional, but this is the fucking truth. I wrote a play called Scream Team <laughs> Scream, and it was about all the cliches in horror movies. You just hooked up with the guy who delivered the pizza. You're a teenage girl who just had sex. You're going (laughs) to die. You just smoked a joint. You're going to die. Like it was just, you know, like, so it was just all about that sort of like humorous, you know, like every horror movie trope. And Kevin Williamson came to see that play. Maybe more than once, if you believe some people. And then, like, year, literally a year or two later, he wrote Scream, and, you know, it was huge. I don't like, it's too funny. And I love funny, funny, but <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't scare me at all, So, and I don't think it's mm. funny. So, to me, it fails. It doesn't succeed on either...
0: On either level.
3: Right. Like, it's not funny enough to be actually funny. It's not scary enough to actually be scary. I hate the killer. Like, the look is the lamest thing I've ever seen in my (laughs) fucking life. So, no, sorry. And again, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people can't believe that I'm not, like, a big fan of Mean Girls. I just... Uh... I just don't kind of like... I was just maybe a little too old when Mean Girls came out. I love Heathers. Heathers changed yeah. everything. I love that mean-spiritedness and, like, you know, shock value and just really dark humor. And But just certain things just don't work for me. And, and I also... I really, really, really hate it when gay people, or anyone for that matter, <laughs> um, make eye contact with me. No, I hate it when... Um, <laughs> I hate it when, like, gay people or queens or anybody or, you know, girls say, you can't sit with us.
0: Because mm. It's so I, annoying. <laughs> I mean, I get
3: it. It's from a movie. Like, but, like, yeah. that's such a horrible fucking message. I know. <laughs> like, why do you want to be this exclusionary cunt, you know? Like, you can sit with us. Me and my <laughs> friends, we really are that way. Like, come sit with us. Right, We're the exactly. weirdos, we're the losers, we're the
0: misfits. So do you like The Craft then?
3: The Craft is
2: good.
0: The Craft is a good okay. movie. Yes. And I think for, uh, probably for the reasons you're saying. And I think if I had to like give my like drugstore psychology guess as to why gay people love this, I think it's because so many queer people were bullied so severely growing up that being able to be part of a now exclusive group makes them feel powerful. I would be willing to bet that that's why queer people of my generation took so strong. I mean, why do I love Carrie? Because people exactly. who bully her get fucking
3: thrown against the wall and, you know, electrocuted and, like, cut in half. <laughs> and, and, you yeah, know I half. mean? It's like, <laughs> honey, if I had that, if I could do that in high school, like, the class reunion would have three people there, and I'd be <laughs> one of them. You know, because the, the moral or the theme of Carrie is don't mess with the freak.
0: Exactly, you yeah. You never know who
3: you're dealing with, bitch
0: exactly yeah you know and that's kind of
3: that's a a lot of thing about about mean girls (laughs) this is why the remake of carrie didn't work the very first shot is that chloe what's her fucking
0: name chloe Uh, chloe grace moretz Moretz. you are yeah you know everything i swear to god (laughs) chloe (laughs) grace moretz the very first shot of her
3: you're like wait a minute this gorgeous blonde girl with perfect
2: <laughs> skin and big, yeah.
3: you know, brown eyes. This is yes. the girl that everyone hates and is bullying and making fun of. I no. know. So I know. The one thing if you can't sit with us was I
0: don't know. It's 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 the cool girls. It's the mean girl. Like know. yeah, I don't like it. You know, that was my only cri- because I love. I love Jawbreaker too. Uh And that is my only criticism is that uh, Judy Greer who plays Fern is gorgeous. And I'm like, it's like, it's like that stupid teen movie trope where it's like she takes off her glasses and everyone's like, who's the hot girl? And it's like, Judy Greer was always gorgeous. You are never going to convince me that she was a nerd. So
3: that's That's one of my favorite things though. That like,
0: your hair's in a bun and you're wearing glasses. <laughs> you're unattractive.
3: And then, you know, oh, a hot girl. But, um, you know, well, you know, that's like, you know, when you look back at TV shows and movies, like, you know, when you were a little kid and you thought so-and-so was so fat. Like, if you watch, <laughs> now, this is really not of your era, but if you watch Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, yeah. Rhoda is making fat jokes about herself. She's like fucking seven pounds more than, you know, Mary, and Mary's emaciated. It's like, that's a fat girl? Like,
0: it's Hollywood fat. It is Hollywood fat. There's Hollywood fat, Hollywood ugly, Hollywood homely. Yeah. And it's so unfair because I'm like, my God, I must fit into every single one. (laughs) (laughs) So how about we, uh, we're going to dive into Carrie a little bit since we've taken up so much of your time already. Um, You really have. (laughs) I am busy. I have have an insider question for you about Mm -hmm. Carrie. Yeah. I was talking to someone I think you know a little bit. Her name is Sherry Vine, not that long ago. And Sherry was saying... Wait a minute. To quote
3: Mariah Carey, I don't know I don't her. know her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sherry Vine was saying that she actually met you because of Carrie. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. Well, we became friends because of
3: Carrie. She was working like, yeah. at a coffee house, you know, when... Coffee houses were new in WeHo. (laughs) I think it was called Six Gallery, and it was like, you know, a gay art gallery, which means, you know, horrible artwork. (laughs) Horrible lesbian and gay artwork. It's like, honey, (laughs) when gay or lesbian is the first thing, like, I'm a lesbian comedian. I'm a gay artist. It's like, why don't you just be good and then sneak that in, you know, about five on the list. (laughs) Anyway, so it was called Six Gallery, if I remember properly, and this was before Starbucks, and, you know, you could get this new thing called a cappuccino. What? (laughs) So, and you could sit there and read your book. Nobody had, you know, there was no cell phones. There was no laptops. You know, you would go read a book or just talk to people. So I went in to order something and I said a, I don't even remember what I said a line from Carrie and then Sherry said the next line and I said the next one and we just looked at each other like and we just kept going and we did like after <laughs> the movie and then we were like okay we're going to be friends. <laughs> so that's a true story.
0: So in the same way she pulls people apart, Carrie brings people together. Of is course what you're saying. <laughs> of
3: course. It's the ultimate irony.
0: What is it about I know you touched on this earlier. You were saying that, you know, obviously anyone who is kind of an outsider, who is a marginalized person, who's the freak in school, loves a movie like Carrie. But do you think that there's something specific about the movie the first time you watched it, that you were like, oh, this," there's something resonating with me right now?
3: Yes. What you consider to be a curse, what you think makes you different from everyone else, Like, I mean, really think about what she could fucking do. That is Mm -hmm. magic. That is miraculous. And if you hide anything, if you take a wet rag and hide it under the sink, instead of hanging it up in the sun, or, you know, throwing it in the washer and the dryer, (laughs) like, you just need to deal with it. But if you throw a wet rag under the sink, it just gets stinky and mildewy and rots. And that's how I feel about, like, you know... The thing that you think is the least attractive thing about you, I've got news for you. There's somebody out there who's like, come over here, show me that big fat ass. And that is such <laughs> a specific thing that I have like just recently experienced, you know. It's just like, <laughs> sure, maybe ninety-four percent of the population, you know, wants this type of person with this type of body, but there is literally a pot out there for every lid. And exactly. and when it comes to being gay or whatever, you know, whatever letter you are in the now complete mm-hmm. alphabet of LGBTQA <laughs> plus, you know what I mean? Like I'm watching it and it's just like, no, do not. It's so funny, you know, because Margaret White, her mother played by Piper Laurie is so biblical. Don't forget that the oh, Bible says, don't hide your light under a bushel.
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: God made you this way. This is a gift. It's not a curse. Everything that you think is a curse or a negative, just
0: embrace it. And I think that's probably the best way to come away from this movie, considering how many ways you could come away from this movie. You know, when I was watching the movie today, obviously I'm always taken by Piper Laurie. I think Betty Buckley is such an unsung hero, but, uh, I I love Piper Laurie and I loved Sissy Spacek in this movie. Although it did kind of become questionable how she ended up being the only one in her town with a southern accent, and right. I was like, I was like, I, I was watching it and I was like, I never noticed. She's the only one who's like, Mama, I, blah blah blah, and her mom's like, Yes, darling. And I was like, What? How did we get here? How, where did you come from, Sissy Spacek? Um, but I was. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was cutting you off and I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, this movie really takes on such a, a different energy when you watch it in the context of today. Uh, and I'm curious to see how it aged, considering.
3: Well, here's what I was gonna say when I rudely interrupted you. <laughs> Like, the other thing about the movie is that, like, you might be really popular in high school. It means nothing. Yeah. Think about it. Almost every person who peaks in high school, they do nothing. Like, it's it's so Who cares? You're prom queen? Who gives a (laughs) flying fuck? You were the, you know, quarterback for the fucking... None of it means anything. And, like, this is going on your permanent record and, like, just... All of it is, sh- especially for someone like me, it's like, I don't care. Like, you, you, all of a sudden it dawns on you, I don't care what these fucking people think. It means mm-hmm. nothing. It's all fake. These people are on their, you know, third divorce with their hideous kids. You know, they're always like, come to the class reunion. It's like, first of all, <laughs> no. <laughs> Most of you were assholes to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, I get paid to make the party better now, so no, you don't get this. I mean, listen, some people loved me in high school. I'm not saying, but it's just all fake. It's just like, you know, who gives a shit? Like the blonde, you know, Nancy Allen, who I know, she's a friend Mm -hmm. of mine. She is the kindest, sweetest, most wonderful person so it's crazy that she's, you know, most in, you know, famous for playing like this monster. <laughs> but her psychopath. character, her character is gorgeous—like the yes. body, yeah. the teeth, the blonde
0: hair—and she is, she's the monster, and she's talented. I've never seen someone talk with their mouth full that articulately. Oh my God! Right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't see it in the movie either, and that's another thing. Is I, I heard they had to do that.
0: Really? So that
3: (laughs) So it kind of was like, oh, she's doing what you think she's doing. Don't give us an X rating. Because I think it was slurping noises, if I remember correctly. (laughs) And they added that later. Like, oh, I, you know, I hate Carrie White. Like, we're having a conversation and you're sucking my dick? Okay. (laughs)
0: Because she was literally, like, bobbing up and down. And she's like, right, Billy, Billy, Billy. And I was like... I was like, she must have some kind of skill that I am seriously <laughs> lacking. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's have a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> she can throw that voice as well as she can throw that booty. Yep. my goodness. Um, yeah, I I really love that about her because she really is just a crazy. See you next Tuesday in this movie. But it's nice to know that in person, she's a a, a good friend and a good. I person. mean,
3: off the charts, the sweetest person I've ever met. Second only to maybe Elvira, Cassandra Peterson mm. is the nicest person. I mean, she's got the little gay man trapped inside her, so she yeah. is a, <laughs> she's a drag queen, and she will make you know catty jokes and. But she's the nicest person. I just, yeah. I, I just like, I love women, and (laughs) like no, just all heard about you. All my, you know, all of my favorite singers and actors and you know, like every and comedians. It's all female. I love that energy, and you know, I mean, I'll be honest. Like Joan Rivers was nice. Yeah, like for all of her, you know, she was actually like a very, very generous, kind person who gave so much to charity and did so much. So, yeah, I mean, you know, be a bitch on stage and be nice in real life. That's my fucking, you know, motto.
0: That's the secret. And I think, honestly, this is something I was going to say before, and I I didn't want to interrupt you. You know, when you were talking about the mentality of high schoolers and how vicious they can be and how evil they can be and how being the weirdo is the good thing because it kind of lets you escape from that a bit. I think that's why some of the drag that's happening now is less interesting because drag is so much more mainstream that it's almost becoming that kind of clickish drag where it's like, you don't need to be an outsider you don't need to be a weirdo to do it so i've said
3: that a lot and you know i've said there used to be a certain kind of person who became a a drag queen yeah (laughs) and they were the guys who even within the gay community were even you know more of a misfit they knew all the movies right you know the type that you know you would go to Rocky Horror, and you know, like, oh my God, are you wearing makeup? Oh my God, you're so crazy, <laughs> and just finding your way. And now it's just like, I don't know, it's like playing Monopoly, and you know, you know, I, what's the thing where you, you know, collect two hundred dollars, and you know, it's yeah,
0: just and like, don't Like you don't
3: have to roll the dice. It's just you go immediately to mainstream acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it really loses something in that. And, you know, I've said this before, and I honestly don't know enough to say this with, oh, I don't even know if I want to go there. (laughs) No, I just feel like I can totally appreciate Rosé, you know, the drag queen Rosé Mm-hmm. But there's something to me that, like, I know this sounds, and I, I'm, I really don't want to be, like, attacking a per, another performer.
4: Right, yeah. But to
3: me, it's like, that's not a drag queen. There is something, and, and listen, things need to change. They need to evolve. Right. And I love weird more than anything. I love Tammy Brown. I love, you know, <laughs> Sharon Needles. I just love, you know, Alaska. I just, you can, like, you know, rewrite the rules and, you know. That's what doing drag is all about. you know, no rules, you know, warp things, twist it. But when I see Rose, I can see the strings. yeah and, and I, I feel bad saying all this out loud, and I you know I, I again, I can appreciate him as a performer. But to me, it's obvious that it wasn't, and everyone's journey is different. It doesn't seem as organic. It was like a, a, I'm a performer. I'm a male actor who has worked on Broadway or whatever, and a little light went off. Oh, drag's really popular now. Yeah. I will do this character. So that's, and I see that a lot lately. Just something is missing. And then you have these queens who, I you know, I'll, I'm very egotistical, so I'll say I see them trying to do what I do, which is, <laughs> you know, be bitchy or come for the audience, you know. But what they forget to do is make fun of themselves first mm-hmm. and then do it with affection, do it with intelligence. Like you can't just
0: walk out into the audience and, you know. Start calling everybody a cunt. Hey, bitch, you're a cunt. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, you know, my yeah. mother, mother always told
3: me, don't forget Picasso was a trained artist who was almost a photo realist before he decided to start cutting things up and warping it and twisting it and making things weird and, you know, finding it through his eye. So that's why, you know, like I sing live and I, you know, I know know that not everybody can, but that's one of the things that I think works is that I sing a song that like the original is so heartfelt and I can (laughs) sing the fuck out of it. And then I make it about something horrible or just something that like, Maybe it warrants one line in a song, but the whole song about, you know, I just did Stevie Nicks' um, Stand Back yeah. as, as back fat, about, you know, how the bra strap gives you back fat, and, it you yeah. know, when I was doing shows online, thank God I didn't have to, like, turn around, and if you see me from the side, you know, you're going to throw <laughs> up, and, and just keep going and going, and just layers yeah. of joke on joke on joke, so... Again, I feel a little bad. I don't, you know, if Rose heard this, I wouldn't want her to have her feelings hurt.
0: I'm sure she wouldn't. You know, I know Rose relatively well. We both work in New York City these days. So, am um, I wrong? Like, I don't know what her. You know, I love Rose. I think she's a very sweet person. I. Yes. Again, is- I don't want to say anything <laughs> mean about her. No, but- anything you're saying, but I'm saying, like, when you look
3: at other drag queens and their road to becoming a drag queen and their evolution and working in bars night after mm-hmm. night, like, wasn't it a different journey or am I wrong?
0: It was similar, but she kind of went through the same thing that everyone in her her girl group, Stephanie's Child, went through, which was that, like, one day they were nobody and then the next day they were somebody. and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that they're not talented. They're all talented singers. Well, I'll go on
3: record right now and say they're they're nobody. No, I'm just getting
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what people want from me or they ask for their money back, even if I they're know.
0: Sh- <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that like th- you know, all of them were world famous, quote unquote, in in the matter of in a matter of like two years. Whereas people like me or Jasmine Rice Labeja or other performers who've been in the city for eight or 10 years have been honing a craft over time and figuring out the audience and how to work in a specific way and doing things a much different way. And it's like, I wasn't a, a skinny you know, pretty boy out of drag. I was a, I was a, I was a fat girl. So it's like, I had to make fun of myself and then people would laugh at that. And then I could make fun of people in the audience and then I could make really bad jokes and people would go along with it because there was something tongue in cheek about it.
3: Yes. And and that's another thing is there was a certain kind of person who became a drag queen. You know, when I, Listen, there was a 20-minute period, you know, when I was younger where I was actually a hot guy. And then I started, (laughs) seriously, like, it didn't last long. I was, like, had this very, you know, short window, you know. And I mean classically or, you know, like, very stereotypically. And then I started gaining weight for whatever reason. You know, I've always gravitated (laughs) towards that. And I was
0: like,
3: how can I still be the center of attention when I walk into a gay bar? You know, maybe for a different reason. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the queens who have honed their craft, you can tell the queens, you can tell there's a difference between a Bianca Del Rio night after night after night dealing with drunk hecklers and having to have that armor and being armed with the one-liners and just that's the only way. It's like stand-up comedy. The people who just do it night after night, it's the only way to really learn it. And you can tell the difference in some of the challenges. These people who cannot even put a sentence together. (laughs) And here's another thing. When I watched the last season and they had a disco, you know, challenge.
4: Yeah. They give
3: you the fucking list of challenges before you get on the show. I know. (laughs) So if you're going down the list, you know, Ru was like, what's your three favorite disco songs? Like, most queens couldn't say one song, and I don't remember who it was, but they admitted, they went, I don't even know what disco is. They gave you a list. If you're having an outfit made, you have a contraption in your hand that you can look shit up 24-7 now. You're either a naturally curious person or you're not. And I know this all sounds like I'm some bitter whore, you know, some (laughs) bitch bitch, but just like Google disco. It's I know. like Trump, <laughs> Trump standing in front of the church with, you know, holding the Bible the upside, down. upside down. And then somebody asks him, what's your favorite Bible verse? Have you seen that? What's yes. your favorite thing <laughs> in the Bible? If you're going to lie and say you're a fucking Christian, have one answer in your head. Oh, I love this or that. He was like, oh, I could never say just one. That would, oh, I could never. But what's, I know. what's one thing in the Bible that really inspires you? I would never. That's personal. It's like <laughs> that's <you>? too personal. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. At least be with, as well-versed. Not, being a drag queen and not knowing what disco is is should be
0: punishable by death. I, I, I 100% agree. And you should have some familiarity with most of the music that came before your time. At least a familiarity enough to know it. And to be able to do something with it, because that's what I love so much about drag is is taking something and fucking it up and changing it and making it something it wasn't. But, uh, you know, it's yeah, it's it's like you said, it's it's all about pop culture and like mm -hmm. what came
3: before you. And if you don't know that, if somebody does, a, if somebody says, how's your head? and you I don't see. know that the and you know like things can slip through the cracks obviously and not everyone knows everything but like you know to not know that that's the fucking line from you know <laughs> mistress of the dark and like yeah. you know
0: yeah it's just weird like or that or even just that she's setting you up for a joke she literally like put the ball up in the air and you just like watched it hit the ground. And it's like, come on, like go, go half the distance with us. That's why I always say when, when I see these like really young, pretty people becoming drag queens and, and you ask them about these things and they have no idea. I'm like, I'm like, girl, leave this to leave this to the ugly girls. Like, let us have our moment. Stay in your lane. Like, you go be pretty. You're fine. You don't need this. Come back in a decade when yeah. nobody wants to fuck you. Here's my thing. First of all,
3: <laughs> passing, which I know these are all like phrases that people don't use anymore. Yeah. But being fishy or passing, you know, all these things that you're not allowed to say anymore. That's a parlor trick what is this 1967 you're going to pull your wig (laughs) off at the end of the song oh my god it's a man this is outrageous I I was you know what you know what an amazing you know illusionist it's like it's 2021 we need to fucking evolve and if you're going to lip sync lip sync a song that we haven't heard a million times don't lip-sync, you know, the number one song at the moment that the DJ has already played twice before the show. Yeah. <laughs> lip-sync a live version of something. You know, these people do these uh, edited things where, you know, it stops in the middle and there's dialogue. You mm-hmm. need to be creative. Like, people think that it's just, like, throw some shit together. You know, no. It's like you need to warp it and twist it. That's what being an artist is all about. And. I know. But what's
0: crazy is I've seen audiences kind of be trained not to pay attention to that anymore because I do, I do mixes myself as well, but my mix always has like a through line and a story and it has jokes in it. So I do like, uh, I do like a losing my virginity mix and I do um, at one point, you know, I, I talk about losing my virginity and having anal sex, but then I go into Taylor Swift's, um, Boys only want love if it's torture. Don't say it in sad and warn ya. And I always, I put in, instead of saying, boys only want love if it's torture, I take out torture and I have Alaska saying anus. And so it's like, but people will like sing over the joke because they think that, and it's like, girl, like I took all this time to put in a good joke to like break up this moment and tell the story. And media, uh, you know, without being too harsh towards anyone, I think mediocre drag has trained people not to pay attention to the performance. you know,
3: I've said this before and it sounds like I, you know, if I say, first of all, you said this earlier, there's no critical thinking. Yeah. You know, that it's really (laughs) true. I mean, people like, I will comment, listen, nobody is bitchier than me, but Bianca will post a picture and I'll be like, fucking gorgeous and people will go shade I'm like how is that even like I'm not even that good how can that be yeah. shade? But I've said this before and, and you know and if I say something if I talk about anything at any length and I say something about you know the younger queens and I don't like this or they're like, oh, you know what? Be better, not bitter. And it's like, oh. do not tell me to, you know, these bitches would not exist without people like me. And I'm not I even know. being like, you know, but here's my point RuPaul and Drag Race, it's the McDonald's of drag. And I'm not even putting it down. There are moments where there is nothing better than McDonald's. Yeah. You just want something that is not challenging it's cheap it's readily available it's on every corner you know exactly you know what it's going to be like exactly so you know it's easy
0: it's accessible
3: right at (laughs) brunch or at two in the morning when everyone's drunk somebody wants somebody lip-syncing lady gaga they don't Mm -hmm. want a song it doesn't matter if you are i'm singing my balls off i mean like hitting notes and like the song is. fucking genius you know like go someplace (laughs) they don't care and you know sometimes they just want
0: garbage they do and that brings us uh to our next talking point (laughs) we have ventured so far from carrie i was like we we forgot this movie even existed I I, i apologize for taking you on such a wild tangent about drag um you know one of the things I wanted to talk about when it comes to your experience with Carrie is that um, you said you saw this movie in the theater when it first came out. Do you re- do you have a and a memory of how the movie made you feel when you saw it, and and the experience of going to see it in the theaters? Because I was unable to, unfortunately, because I'm so young that I couldn't, I didn't manage to see it. Well. I
3: have a few memories. I mean, the number one overriding memory is just that the whole movie to me was very dreamlike. It was different than any movie I had ever seen. And by the time we got to that prom sequence is, I mean, I can't, it literally changed my life. Like I said, like I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. The camera angles, the colors, it was just like a gorgeous bad dream. Mm. And then, there, you know, the movie's, you know, sexual. So, I, you know, I was a certain <laughs> age. I went with my sister, and then there's the blowjob scene, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. I'm sitting next to my older sister. This is embarrassing. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It was just very... I just remember, like I've never seen anything like this.
0: So it wasn't like. And you must have been it, very young when you saw it. Well, it came out in '76, and I was born yeah. in
3: 1963, so I was mm-hmm. 13. And thir- that's what I'm 13, saying. 13 is just about the most, <laughs> you know, like what's the word I want? You know, what's the word I want to say? Uh, you know, tender age. Not ten. What is the <laughs> What is the word I want to say? Oh, that's so crazy.
0: Impressionable. Think, oh.
3: go. Like, just sort of like, yeah, it's just the age where things make a difference.
4: Yeah, but everything is it
3: wasn't, sensitive. I didn't, I didn't think of logical things like, oh, what a great message. It just really <laughs> the pacing. the And, you know, and now if you watch it, by today's standards, it's kind of long. You know, there's these long. I just loved everything about it. And it was just so well made like you know the scene at dinner with the you know the last supper behind them and the lightning and just like it was just so good it was so good and you know you feel powerless and here's you know this you know kid who has power you know and can sort of make things happen and and also i i'm a fatalist you know i love Mm -hmm where it's like, oh, my God, she looks gorgeous. And now you can look back, you're like, this is not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) She looks gorgeous, and she's with the hottest guy. And, you know, and that's why a lot of people, you know, and then it's just like it's like a fucking nightmare. And, like, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes, like, that's – oh, I love movies like that. Like, there's a movie called Wages of Fear. It's super old by Clouseau. It is so... It's like nobody gets out alive. It's just like, you know... I mean, I think of, like, Identity. Do you yeah. know that movie?
4: Yeah.
3: And at the end, you know, like, she's in the Orange Grove. Yeah. I don't know if right that... <laughs> just things like that. I just, like, I love... You know, people don't realize this, but the birds... You know, I saw the original... Um, Uh, storyboards for the birds and the reason that Melanie had a ragtop convertible is because the very end of the birds was supposed to be them driving super slowly over the Golden Gate Bridge. You think they're getting away and then they pull back and the entire Golden Gate Bridge is covered in birds. And then it's really quiet and out of nowhere all the birds attack the car and rip the top of the car and then it just ends. Like, oh, they're all going to fucking die. There is no escaping this. And back then, they were like, the movie cannot end that way. So it just ends with them getting away. (laughs) Yeah. I love that darkness that, like, it just never... And then even, you know, the end of Carrie, even though it's, you know, the hand coming up, it's like, no. It's like, did you see Drag Me to Hell? Yeah. <laughs> like sweetie Do not forget the name of the fucking movie You're not getting yeah. away with this shit I am delivered yeah. you, are, you are going to hell Bitch So it's like a dark <laughs> ride It's like a haunted house I don't want a happy fucking ending With these yeah. movies I'm all over the place I had like a million things I wanted to say And I just go off on a
0: tangent. No, I love it. I, I, we like to have more of like a, a stream of consciousness conversation about the movie. Because we know that everyone who's listening has seen the movie. So it's like, let's just talk about it. Let's just see what comes up and what gets uncovered. Yeah. Um, you know, something that occurred to me. That's so interesting, by the way, about the storyboards for the birds. That probably would have been a better ending. Oh, my Did God. You- it would have been so good so good have you seen because uh, i feel like this is a movie you would probably like have you seen like Midsommar? no i've not Reditating? everyone tells me i should see it it seems like it would be right up your alley i think you would like midsummer a lot um but it has that same kind of like there's like nobody's getting out of here alive you're we're all going down together <laughs> yeah. yeah. not to give too much away um when I was watching Carrie today though I you know something that occurred to me is this movie feels so much different when you watch it in the context of 1976 versus the context of 2021 and I I think most of that has to do with the uh the violence that we see in schools now so I'm curious how you think, if or if you think, the message has changed as the audience has changed with this movie?
2: Well, I
3: mean, I I understand what you're saying. And the whole thing is, like, nobody talked about bullying. And listen, I am obviously anti-bullying, but I've said this before. You know, kids today are being raised with no emotional immunity. Kids need to play in the dirt to, you know have their immune system grow you have to be um exposed to germs and bacteria or you will everything will make you sick growing up i was never exposed to cats my mom is italian and in italy the cats are feral i mean they look at cats like they're rats like you know you don't have a cat (laughs) so i was never exposed to cats and now i am deathly allergic to cats like gel Gel comes out of my eyes. Like it's oh horrible. God. I want to die. <laughs> so now you have these kids, like I said, like you look at they have no emotional immune system. You know, like yeah. there is something to be said for, oh, this guy's being mean. Well, crack a joke. Walk away. You have to deal with it. That's the way life mm-hmm. is. But some of these kids, you look at them the wrong way, they go kill themselves. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? because of the way they're being raised.
0: I know I
3: and know what? Did you just roll your eyes at my son? How dare you like you know so you can't treat these kids like crystal because crystal shatters but this movie was made in 1976 before anybody was talking about you know bullying. And inclusion mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone's beautiful and everyone, you know, like body shaming and just all of that. So it's very, like, cartoonish. It's like, you're mean to me and I am going to make your bike wipe out. Yeah. And she <laughs> has this look on her face like a puppy. Like, you scared me and I bit you and I feel bad, but you scared me or you were yeah. mean to me. You abused me. And that's sort of, especially in the 70s, there's so many movies about, like, the dad hits the mom, the mom kicks the child, the child, you know, punches the dog, the dog bites the cat. Like, it's such a weird, (laughs) like, everybody wants to hurt somebody, you know? Everybody wants, there's always some that makes you feel superior, like oh yeah. I may be gay but at least I'm you know white I mean I don't know mm-hmm. like is that you know or at least I'm thin at least I've got a good body at least I've got a big dick at least you know I may be mm-hmm. this but I, you know at least you know I'm a lesbian but I I don't know if people think that way but it just seems like a hierarchy of evil or um uh what's the word I want to say a hierarchy of cruelty
4: yeah. Like,
3: it, it's a sickness, and it's it really is weird that, like, you know, and that's why the whole Trump thing just, like, upset me so much, because it was just all of a sudden, like, being sensitive. And, and sure, we go overboard. I made the joke about, you know, LGBTQ, now it's the entire alphabet. Isn't it better to go a little overboard? Like, we free the slaves, but we never actually... Like we have Jim Crow, we keep people down. Like, do it properly the first time. Don't just go through the motions. It's again, it's like putting that rag under the, you know, yeah, under the sink in the cabinet in the dark. It's like, so God, I'm really all over the place now. So when when Trump came along and people were just making fun of caring about other people, like actually like it's cooler like we live in a fucking you know trump was just like pro wrestling it was like oh "Oh, we have good guys and bad guys you know i I like to offend people and fuck you and this is you know pc is lame and it's like it's not pc to be nice to people and to not judge them by the color of their fucking skin like, that is not politically correct. That's called being human.
0: Yeah, it's empathy. So, to belittle it and mock it and make it cool,
3: you know, like, it's so stupid. Like, yeah, someone's going to say they're trans so they can go in a bathroom and molest a kid. I said this online once and I was like, this is the truth. If you have a kid, I totally understand wanting to protect your child. But if. Every time you look at an adult, the first thing you think of is they want to fuck my kid. You have a problem and you yeah. are fucking sick <laughs> in the head.
2: Yeah, it's true.
3: <laughs> Newsflash, it is not that prevalent. So for them to think that like, you know, all Democrats <laughs> are these fucking child molesting, baby eating.
0: Like, I know. how did it get to this? That and and yeah, that they're selling the babies. How conversation get right? to this? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> all over the place. But anyway. But anyway, that's our, that's our phrase on the podcast. We always say, but anyway, when we've well, gone just, on I, a whole of a tangent. I so I freak
3: out. I just, you know, like. Well, God, it's easy dude.
0: to. And I think that this movie kind of exemplifies that, like you said. It's like, well, you you're know, we. You yeah.
3: are celebrating the asshole. You are celebrating the. The popular, gorgeous people who are actually ugly, like Mm -hmm. they're not good people. We are, you know, validating and rewarding the wrong thing. And back then it was just like, you know, kind of like revolutionary to point out that things are fucking fucked up and backwards and you should be careful because you never know who you're dealing with. You know, like you think that you're just, you think you're just stepping on a spider and guess yeah. what? The mommy, the spider, spider, the mommy <laughs> spider just saw you kill her baby, and through her seething rage, she is going to become <laughs> a giant thing and eat your fucking
2: face.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so just like be nice to everybody. Exactly. That's and the you, message. And and honestly, that was something that was another one of my biggest uh commentaries about this movie, is I was like, you know. It's so crazy to think how far ahead of its time this movie was, not just in its commentary on bullying, but also its commentary on the lunacy of like Christian extremists and, and, and things like that, that people just were not talking about in the 70s. And if you want to talk about Christian extremism. I think that Margaret White is the only person you can start with. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but that whole speech about... You know, the whiskey on
3: his breath. The whiskey on his breath. <laughs> Brian De Palma was like, We're cutting that. We're not going to even shoot it. And she was like, I learned the whole thing. <laughs> no, not only did she learn it, she was like, I really think this explains why this character is the way she is. Yeah. She wasn't always this, you know, like, you know, she's human. She. So he was like, okay, let's try it once. They shot it once, and it made it into them. He was like, I could not not put it in the movie.
0: I mean, how can you watch that can scene? Can you imagine the movie without that scene? No, it it's is everything. Incredible. Anyway, so... It's everything that Shonda Rhimes wants the speeches in Grey's Anatomy. Oh my God, Totally. <laughs> But my also, husband and I joke about that all the time. <laughs>
3: also, it just explains that, like every monster, you know, every horrible person or monster or villain or, you know, whatever you want to
0: call them, it's just fear. They're just it is afraid. You know, and and for some people, it you know, for her obviously it was this fear of of sin and of of ruining her soul and of ruining. Uh, her person and and the world around her but I also think it had to have been like her fear of not getting cast in the Ren Fair, like, don't you think she looks like that type of person who's like, like I was not the Queen of Hearts, and now I'm going to like lose my fucking mind. That's oh my how, God. That everything that Margaret White sees to me as like she definitely tried to put together a Ren Fair in her town, and it just crashed and burned. Oh my God, you're hilarious. <laughs> you are
3: hilarious, but. The Ren Fair is all about gluttony and being less good stuff, and you know that she was like she would she would probably she would probably actively you know like uh, you know try to keep protest. that protest yes yeah. exactly
0: she is protesting the Ren Fair, but I that was like my first note about her when I was watching it, and because I was like I was like my God, she reminds me of all the people in college who like just. Failed at what we were, because I went to school for musical theater and there were so many personalities that just were like, you could see the the roots of them not having the success that they were setting themselves up for. Right. And that was kind of what I saw in her. I was like, oh, that's who this woman is. She is tortured by her failure to be what she wanted to be. You know, I, I don't know if I agree I think she's more tortured by her failure
3: to just be a woman. You know, like, I think, okay, first of all, I want to not forget something I thought of earlier. (laughs) No, because like, honestly, like it is in our DNA, I think, to like, you see something that's different or weak and you want to kill it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're like, no, that's different. Absolutely not. This person only has, you know, nine fingers. Weird.
0: Not normal. That <laughs> This whole, person is Rosé. <laughs> Kill it. <laughs>
2: there you go. <laughs>
0: Full circle. No, Full but circle. do you know what it means? So
3: it's just like. It's like Frankenstein. Carrie is like Frankenstein. Yeah, she it's really like is. If, if treated properly, this can be a gentle, you know creature but if you you know poke the hornet's nest but you know like like I said like if something is weak or just not the same as everybody else like just it's all about and that's why you know with the Jews in the holocaust or you know like build a wall or you know it's just all about like othering people that's the way that you do it like this is not You know, like, make America great again? Like, when was America ever great? And, I mean, you know, I'm not even saying it wasn't great. But when you watch Mad Men, it wasn't so great. For Mm -hmm. You know, America is its most, you know, successful and productive and, you know... But it wasn't great for people of color. It wasn't great for women. It wasn't great for gay people. You know, it wasn't great... It was great if you were a fucking white man. And now white yeah. men of a certain age are fucking terrified. They're, and they're all like fucking Carrie. Like <laughs> deal with it. And we are the most powerful. I just, I will never understand wanting less. Why would yeah. you want less diversity, less culture, less color, less like to call places shithole countries. Like, you're talking about Mexico and Africa. Do you know the fucking civilizations and, like, what has come out of these places and the Middle East? And, like, no, just have people come over from Norway or Germany <laughs> to these fucking white people. Like, that's what he means by shithole countries for I black know. and brown people. And it's I like... Know. Anyway, so it drives me crazy. And on that note, I will just bring up one last thing, and that is everybody needs to see the movie Summer of Soul. Are you familiar Mm, with it? I am, yeah. It's on Hulu, it's also in theaters, and it is amazing. It's essentially, you know, the black woodstock, but nobody knew about it, and the footage was sitting in, you know, someone's basement for fifty years because, you know, it was just a bunch of black artists, but it's amazing with You know, Sly and the Family Stone, The Fifth Dimension, Gladys Knight in the Pit, Stevie Wonder. I mean, Nina Simone. It is, I cried so many times. It is just the perfect example of the phrase black excellence. Just like, and then hearing like Marilyn McCoo of uh, Fifth Dimension talk about, you know, for black audiences, they weren't black enough. And for white people, they were too black. And there were people who listened to their first hit and they didn't know they were black. And then DJs found, saw the album cover and they're like, oh, these are black people. I can't play this. It's just so all over the
0: place. And
2: anyway, I am all over the place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's par for the course today. <laughs> it really is. I just This is the way my brain works and... We won't. Well, we won't take up too much more of your time because I know you're meeting friends
3: for Uh, dinner
0: far away. I just have one question for you before you go. Is it about Scream? It's not about Scream. (laughs) Before you go, uh, I'm curious. You have you have worked in some of the most amazing theaters in the country. You have worked with some of the most amazing people. You have been all over the world. Do you have any spooky stories? Oh, well, yes, I do. I mean, first of
3: all, at Casita del Campo, which is the Mexican restaurant where we perform the Golden Girls and we do a lot of shows there. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a rumor that it's haunted, and you know, it's been there since 1962. Rudy Del Campo, who was a dancer, he's in West Side Story. They he opened the restaurant, it's been gay friendly since day one, way before you know, it was this like mashup of gay and Hispanic, you know, and so all his co stars, like, you know. Rita Moreno and you know Cheetah Rivera and you know like all these people you know uh, George George Shikaris all these people anyway would go there and I don't know if it's true that it's haunted but I remember once we were doing a show there and um and uh sorry somebody's messaging me god damn it And I think the ghosts are trying to keep me from telling this story. So anyway, we were doing one of those things with the Golden Girls where we had a show, like a matinee, and then we had a a later show, and we would eat in between. So Mm -hmm. everybody went upstairs to eat, and I forgot my wallet or something, and I went back down, and I heard someone talking in the sound booth in the, like, little, you know, because it's a black box theater, and there's, like, a little sound booth. And the guy who does our sound is JT. And I was like, JT, aren't you going to eat with us? Or what are you going to do? And no no answer. So I walked over and I looked and there was nobody in there. And I distinctly heard somebody. I didn't hear what they were saying. It was just kind of a mumbling. Oh. So, and i have heard things about Casita. But we I was on tour with Dita Von Teese and we were in... Somewhere in Australia or New Zealand, and we pulled up to this. When I get tired, I get really psychic. Like, I will just blurt (laughs) something out, and somebody will be like, how did you know that, or why did you say that? (laughs) Because I'm tired, and I'm not thinking too much. Yeah. So we pulled up to this hotel, really fancy, super old, just, like, off the charts gorgeous. I think it was in New Zealand. The moment we pulled up, I felt it. I was like, oh, my God, this is like The Shining. Like, this is this reminds me of The Shining.
0: In my head, I remember
3: thinking that. And we checked in, and I went to my room, and I was taking a hot bath because I'm old and I have creaky bones. (laughs) And I had my cell phone, you know, because, you know, that's what you do. And the light in the bathroom went off. And then it went back on. And then it went off. And I texted the group thread and I said, is anyone else like experiencing anything weird at this, you know, hotel? Cause I'm getting a really weird vibe and then the lights just went out. Well, everybody was like, I was sitting in bed and the closet door opened by itself and then slammed. This happened, this happened, everybody. And Dita was like, do not tell me this stuff. I need to get a good night's <laughs> sleep tonight. And then I looked it up online and it's like one of the most haunted places like on the planet, supposedly. Wow! wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so curious where it was. I want to go visit. <laughs>
3: you know what? I could actually, I'll, I'll look it up so, and let you know sometime. Please oh do. Oh my God. Oh my god, I've gotta go, you guys.
0: That's all right. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. Thank taking this you. Time. And you guys, I'm so literally
3: like, I was rambling. I'm like
2: Gary, <laughs> Trump,
3: Summer of Soul. Like it's like ridiculous. <laughs> but I hope it all makes sense. I think Listen. the message is just be a fucking nice person and don't ever think that less diversity, less culture, less types of people is Ever better. Why you have one life? Yes. You know, I say Uh, I say in my show, I'm like, if you're the type of person who agrees with Trump when he says build a wall, then you don't even get to eat a fucking taco. Because that's the way it works. Even the simplest part of their amazing culture, you do not get to, you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. You don't even get to eat a taco, stay at home and eat your braised cabbage, you fucking Nazi.
0: A hundred percent agreed. Jackie, before you go, where can people find you online? Oh, my website is missjackiebeat.com and you can find where
3: I'm performing. I'm going to be in P-Town this year, August 10th through the 14th. It's a very short run, which is the way I like it. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm coming to your town or if you're visiting LA or, you know, just
0: come see me. Beautiful. I have heard that you like very short stays in P Town in the past. Yes. Yeah. I have a phrase. Don't Jackie beat it out, beat of, it town. It out of town. <laughs> but, um, we'll talk Jackie. about that the next time. Next time, and we promise we'll reach out again one of these days. Thank you so much for joining us, Jackie. Yes, it was you. A thank real you. Joy. Thank
3: you so much.
0: You know, it doesn't color my love for Jackie okay but I I do feel personally attacked and hurt <laughs> that she did not like scream although it, her anecdote about Kevin Williams coming Williamson going to see uh,
1: I kind of jaw dropped a little bit when I was she like said that.
0: oh my god and you know what Jackie also takes credit for having invented drag race so I'm like I'm like you know what Maybe Jackie Beat is just the creator of everything we love and I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> but when she said she didn't like it, I was like, oh, this hurts my heart. This like, <laughs> this is it, I felt like Margaret White. I was like, all the knives just oh, sticking out of me. I was like, this is the most painful thing anyone has ever said to me. But I still love her. I'm just going to put it in that little compartment in my brain where... I decide, I've decided I'm not going you to put remember all this. the
1: things people say who've hurt you. Exactly.
0: I'm like a Jackie Beat. I'm not going to taint my my view of you with this awful opinion. I'm just going to <laughs> stuff it in a closet.
1: Stuff it in a prayer closet. And let
0: exactly. It and you pray to that creepy Jesus. Yeah, and that you... creepy ass Jesus. <laughs> who, by the way, I never realized this before. hmm it never occurred to me when I was watching the movie before. Did you ever notice that... the uh, And you're going to be like, uh, stupid. That was like the whole fucking point. The knives sticking out of Margaret were in the same places as the arrows.
1: Yes. You're, I had noticed that. You're
0: like, yeah, everyone noticed that the first time they watched <laughs> it, except you, you fucking moron. I
1: think that's why they do the close-up of it.
0: At the at, end. At the end. Yeah. I think at that point, I had always just kind of like checked out. I okay. was like, okay... Carrie's, Carrie's gonna die in the closet bah, 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 bah. and this this time of course I had to watch it more critically and I was like huh the more you know um, that is the creepiest fucking Jesus though it
1: really is like I've seen some creepy Jesuses and that is the creepiest Jesus the
0: creepiest Jesus yes <laughs> that's like that's the Jesus Lorraine keeps in the bed side table <laughs> for when Ed goes on trips and she's alone you okay. know what I mean that's the Jesus <laughs> When she lets Jesus fuck her. um, Yeah, th- that conversation was so much fun. And I think it- it's so much fun to talk to someone who has such a passionate love for this movie. Yes. Jackie clearly loves this movie quite a bit. And I do too. After- you know, I've seen this movie a number of times, but I, I don't think... I've always loved it. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. But I think I had always kind of dismissed a lot about it. Okay. And not really taken much of it to heart. Is it? Would you call this one of your favorite movies?
1: Um, it's one of my favorite supernatural horror movies. I would say. Mm. Um, because I have to, I have to make little lists. Otherwise, the one big list just <laughs> it gets, gets too really, confusing. It gets really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, probably definitely in the top five. Um, I think it. Being a girl who was bullied in high school.
0: Being anyone who was bullied yeah. in high school. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely brings up those feelings of like, God, if I could have done that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were a few people who wouldn't have made it out alive.
1: If I had telekinesis.
0: And having yeah. this conversation feels so dirty because it's like I was saying in the conversation with Jackie. We kind of touched on it. It's like this; these sentiments have a much different Connotation now, connotation now, in the context of 2021, yeah. when there is so much school violence, and we want to make very clear that we do not condone violence of any kind, no matter uh, what the instance. Um, so, Glenn is like giving me a <laughs> thumbs up, a little paw up. He's like nailed it. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it really changed my view of the movie in some ways because I was like, well, is Carrie a hero or a villain? Because in the context, when you look at it as like on its face, Carrie's kind of the hero because right. she puts all the the people who tortured her in their place. But then when you look at it from the within the context of like, say, Columbine, yeah. where those kids said that they did what they did because they were bullied and they were whatever. It's like, well, I don't at all agree with what they did. So it's like. In a fictional setting, yes, it's nice to see the evil kids get what was coming to them. But in the reality, obviously, you know, things are a bit more complex, you know?
1: Yeah. No, it's, um, there are definitely layers now.
0: A lot more layers. <laughs> a lot more layers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh But I do definitely, you know, I, I feel very much in tune with what Jackie was saying as well, you know, All of us as queer people have probably been in a situation where you were victimized and bullied in high school and where you felt like, like, I can't say that if I had been Carrie, I would have done anything differently. You know, if I had been supernatural, but we're talking about totally unrealistic hypotheticals. I'm not talking about taking weapons to school. I'm talking about like, you are a supernatural being. (laughs) I probably would have done the same thing.
1: I mean, I think that's valid.
0: Especially because the reason I will call Carrie a hero is that she was prepared to live and let live. Yeah. And then they took it a step too far. You know what I mean? Yeah. When they made her the prom queen, she was ready to join the group and and say, Okay, bygones are bygones, and and I'm going to I'm going to participate. I'm going to move on and I'm going to be a part of whatever this is. And obviously the way they, the the way events played out were very unrealistic as well. I don't think people really do things like that most of the time.
1: No, I I like to think that that's entirely fictional.
0: Yeah. Everything (laughs) about this is fictional. So we are analyzing this purely from a, a fictional standpoint. Although, you know, it's funny. And I've talked about this on the podcast before There was an instance even in our high school where something on a a much smaller scale kind of happened, you know? Yeah. And I've talked about it before on the podcast about my friend Steven, who was nominated as most dramatic in the yearbook. And it was because he had had Asperger's and was prone to breakdowns and, and people. But he was very into theater. And he that's how he and I were friends was through the theater and the drama club. And so it was presented to him as though he was the most dramatic as a thespian. Right. But they nominated him most dramatic almost as like an in-joke behind his back to make fun of him. And that is a very real thing that happens. And that is something that is inexcusable and cold and cruel and gross. And it's the reason I don't go to Things like my high school reunion. Because I'm like, people who are capable of doing things like that don't change much.
1: No, I I like to think that people learn a little bit, especially once they kind of go out into the wider world and realize that, hey, you thought you were hot shit, but you're not. <laughs> mm.
0: I mean, I always but, hope so.
1: And I've met a couple of people that I went to high school with who I think that's true for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, no, most of them stay dicks.
0: Most of them stay cruel little shitbags yep. who peaked in high school. Yep. So if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess what it all comes down to is that um, we did really love this movie and we're very, very appreciative to Jackie for joining us to chat about it. Is there anything that uh, that I missed that about the movie that you wish we had talked about?
1: I don't think so. I think we hit pretty much everything.
0: Well, If that's the case, then I'm going to call Carrie Uh, officially case closed Okay. thank you thank you thank you Lily for putting us in touch with Jackie Beat again it really was a joy to get to talk with her and thank you very much to Jackie Beat definitely check her out especially if you're in the LA area that's her hometown you can check out her her show uh, Golden Girls with a Z at Casita Del Campo and you can check out her shows like Clowns and Carbs and her other one woman shows uh, all over the country she tours them she will be in P-Town so check it out And otherwise, you can check us out next week with more mini sods on Patreon and more episodes right here, wherever you're listening. So until then, stay spoopy and remember.
2: Well, he's not coming. He is coming, Mama. Now stop it. I'm nervous enough. No, he's not coming. He's not going to come. No <laughs> <Go> way! <laughs> Stop it, Mama! Stop hurting yourself, Mama! He's gonna laugh, and no, they're all gonna mom. laugh with
0: My spooky gay family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon and this episode contains clips from Carrie, distributed by United Artists, 1976. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions.